Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Let's talk rugby. And once again, the big story in the world of this sport is not what's going out on the field. It is instead mouthguards that everyone's talking about, specifically some new smart mouthguards which are intended to protect players from serious head injuries. This protective equipment has been made mandatory by World Rugby at the elite level and it can detect high-impact collisions. But during games in both Super Rugby and the Six Nations at the weekend, players were left confused after being pulled from the field for what seemed to be regulation tackles or falls. This has led to calls from some coaches and players for more development around these mouthguards before they are used as part of rugby's head knock assessments. Joining me now from the UK is World Rugby's science and medical manager, Lindsay Starling. Kia ora, Lindsay. Thanks very much for joining us on Nights. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be on. So these... Conceptually, these mouthguards, they've actually been used for quite some time, haven't they? I think some of our women's players have been wearing them since 2020, but the speed of the transmission of data has changed recently. Is that right? Well, sort of, yes. So absolutely. Um, I mean, we've been testing them and um, have had players wearing them for the last two years um, as we've gathered data from them and really understand the value in them. And um, you're spot on. We had the Women's World Cup where a group of players that all wore them and also the WXV with the ladies teams that wore them there. Um, so Yes, we've been using them for two years, but that's rather just to understand what data is collected from them and how best we make use of that data to benefit players. Okay. Can you explain, um, bearing in mind that I am not a science and medical manager, how do they work? Yes. So quite simply, the mouth guard is like any other mouth guard that a player wears, but on the side of the mouth guard, there are sensors embedded. Those sensors are specifically an accelerometer and a gyroscope. And basically, they just measure where a player has sustained an impact and how big that impact was. Um, ultimately, that gives us a picture on the head acceleration events and the head impact events that these players are experiencing. Um, and those that don't only result in a clinical outcome, we're all aware of the, the topic around concussion and how important that is. And mm. um, the concussions are relatively easier to detect because they display the players display some form of um, observable clinical sign and symptom. Yeah. And so these mouth guards give us an insight into another level of players' welfare by and helping us understand all of the head knocks that they experience when they're playing and training. And so how are they being used at the moment on the field? So a player gets hit, a player gets tackled, and let's say it's a, it's a, it's a big hit, it's a big impact collision, and maybe it's, it's jolted their head. Would that activate uh, like a sensor in the mouth guard which would send a signal to a computer which would say that player needs to be taken off and assessed? You're pretty much spot on with that. Um, so basically, over the last two years of collecting data from these mouth guards, we've identified a threshold whereby all of the impacts that are occurring above this threshold are really, really big. And typically, they're actually the ones where we're seeing players displaying clinical signs of concussion. 
And so we have set this threshold and there's a different threshold for the men's and women's game. But essentially, whenever a player sustains an impact above this threshold, um, a Bluetooth same signal is sent from the player's mouth guard to the ma- tablet that the match day doctor has on the side of the field. And that then signals that essentially this player has had a, a really, really big impact and they are then removed and entered into the head injury assessment process. Is this... Is this an attempt to address, um, there is a, a degenerative brain disease called chronic traumatic encephalopathy for, um, for, for the, the information of listeners, CTE it's called, uh, and we've seen it cropping up in quite a few players, most notably in New Zealand, uh, the former prop Carl Heyman. Um, is this an attempt to address the causes of CTE? Is that what it's aimed at? Yeah, so essentially um, this stems rather broadly from um, looking after players' brain health and all neurodegenerative diseases, one of which is CTE, Mm. Um, because as I've said, concussion, we're all very aware of that, and that really has been a key focus over the last decade. Um, But in the last few years, that... um, has expanded to encompass all head impact events because there is some research that is suggesting that repeated head impacts and there is some link between that and um, long-term brain health or long-term neurodegenerative disease. So yes, CTE and the whole brain health picture is what led to us starting this piece of work and and needing to understand more around um, all head impacts that a player experiences in their career. Yeah, because it was my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, but that, that, you know, the big accentuating risk for CTE was re- repeated low-level head knocks as opposed to high-impact collisions. But you, you seem to be suggesting that this is it's not just CTE, it's all brain-related um, trauma injuries that this is trying to address. Yes, so it is addressing all brain-related um, injuries, of which CTE is one. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right on that, that there is some um, evidence and research suggesting this link between brain health and um, repeated head impacts. Um, but also, there's a lot of um, question marks around that research. Um, it's obviously very difficult to do research like that, where you need to follow players over a very long period of time. Indeed. And there's also obviously lots of confounding factors, your general quality of life, your health, your um, alcohol intake, etc., um, but yes, fundamentally, at the ground point, that's where this all has stemmed from. There has, Lindsay, there has been a bit of backlash around the implementation of these mouth guards, as I alluded to in the intro there. Um, fans suggesting that they spoil the flow of the game. Some players maybe feeling um, that they're being pulled off when they don't need to. Also, some players talking about the amount of data that is being collected here and, and how that's being used. On a broad level, do you do you get those critiques? Yes, I mean I completely understand where those frustrations are coming from, and this is a, a huge piece of work that's going in. It's a change, and um, everybody always takes a bit of a time to adjust to change. And there's a huge need for education um, in this, and that's all stakeholders involved in the game, um, from fans to players, truly understanding why this is being implemented and what it means. I think from our perspective, though, is we at Old Rugby, we wouldn't be implementing this technology if we weren't confident in it and weren't confident in the data that it collects. Like I say, we've been testing it for the last two years. We have more than 100,000 head acceleration of date, head points worth of data that we've examined. Um, and so we are confident in the technology. We're confident in how it works. Um, and now all of this is ironing out some teething issues from implementing it and implementing a change. Um, 
Oh, my word. We appear to have lost Lindsay there. We will try to get Lindsay back uh, because this is an interesting discussion and there are a few more yes. points. Oh, sorry, Lindsay, I apologise. Um, I think that your Zoom line might have dropped out there. Um, uh, but you you were talking about World yep. Rugby's confidence in the technology and, and ironing out the, the teething issues, um, a phrase yep. that I have yep. resolutely resisted using today um, because I'm sure that you've heard it a lot. Um Lindsay, t- t- tell me this. Why do we need smart mouth guards for this? The, the, the head injury assessment, is, is it not comprehensive enough already? Yeah, so this is um, very much an addition to the head injury assessment. Um, I mean, the head injury assessment, we're very confident in, and it's taken um, concussion recognition and management to another level over the last decade. Um, And this is now an addition to it to take it that next step further. At the moment, any player being removed for a head injury assessment is because of observable signs and symptoms. So it's very subjective and it's dependent on an individual being able to spot something that's happened on a field and remove the player. This is now data, it's objective, and it gives us a level of understanding of what's happened to a player that we've never had before and absolutely can't tell with the naked eye. And so this is now an addition and allows us to add an extra level um, of spotting those players that have had a really big impact that aren't observable to the naked eye and then also entering them into that process. So if anything, it's just um, it's just enhancing the current process that we have. I guess the issue from a, a spectator's point of view is that you know they might perceive that the quality of the game, the flow of the game, is is being affected by it. And I take your point about World Rugby having to, um, you know, keeping health the health of the players front and centre. World Rugby also has to worry about the product that it's putting out. And there are ways of assessing head knocks. It's a delicate balance to strike, I suppose. Oh, absolutely. It's a very delicate balance. Um, I mean, at World Rugby, player welfare is our number one priority and always will be. But we also always speak about safety and spectacle in the game. It's not one or the other. Um, And we don't believe that this introduction is going to have any influence on that. If anything, actually, typically, um, the time from when an alert has happened until it being sent to the match day doctors under two minutes. Um, And if you think at the moment around when players are being removed for observable signs that involves some video review and some conversations between various medical professionals on the side of the field. So actually, a player having a knock of the size and then being removed is something that will ultimately be quite quick. Um, And also, when we reach the right balance, um, we wouldn't expect typically more than one alert per match. So we don't see this of an and or. We see this as a a fairly rapid means of getting players assessed um, so that it doesn't affect the flow of the game. When you talk about ironing out the kinks, what are you talking about there? Yeah, so I think that the two the two ones are major ones are one is just around the fit and the comfort of these mouth guards to players. Um, obviously, some players don't wear mouth guards um, on a day to day basis um, ordinarily, or they have their mouth guard that they're very familiar with and they've loved it and they've used it for years and years. So it's getting them used to a slightly different fit of mouth guard. Um, but there are loads of workarounds to actually tailor the mouth guard to be specific for them. It just requires them wearing it a little bit and then having some adjustments with the dentist. So we can get to that for the mouth guard to be really comfortable for players. Um, And then in the Super Rugby specifically, which I know is some of the the criticism that's come up over the last few days, is that there were some uh, delays between when an impact happened and the alert reading the match, reaching the match day doctor on the Mm -hmm. side of the field. 
ultimately we want that time to be as short as possible. The sooner we can remove a player after that impact, the better. Uh, also, obviously, not wanting to cause any more confusion to players or the fans um, of not understanding why a player is being removed. Um, so there are many things in place that we have to speed up that um, transmission time. Um, and also worth noting, it's not all of the alerts that have been delayed. It just been has one or two has been one or two here and there. And so we're going to do what we can to make that time as short as possible. It's an interesting philosophical quandary, isn't it? In that, you know, this is rugby. Uh, it's a violent sport. It's a physical sport. Everybody who plays it knows that. Um, but technology is evolving so quickly that some of the risks to players and player welfare can be mitigated really effectively. The problem is the mitigation techniques, some of the mitigation techniques, can affect the game, both the playing of the game and the watching of the game, and that can annoy people. So I guess when does informed consent come into play in this space? Yes, I mean, so from a a, a player-informed consent piece, everything involves consent from the players. So, I mean, players aren't forced to do anything. Um, All of our protocols and things we have in place are evidence-based and and based on evidence. We don't implement anything just because we think it's a good idea. There's always a lot of evidence behind it, and all decisions are made um, in consultation with our independent concussion working group. But I guess that's Um, ultimately. Sorry to interrupt, but I guess that's kind of what I mean is, a, a player who plays rugby professionally, they know what they're getting themselves into. Yet these mouthguards are mandatory. Why can't a player say, "Look, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to wear this. That, that this is. I, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm getting into. I know that this is a gladiatorial sport, as some of the New Zealand players have said. Um, uh, I'll, I'll be right. Thank you." Yeah, so I think there's probably something just to clarify there in that um, the use of the mouth guards isn't mandatory. A player okay. can opt in or out of wearing one. They are a um, component now of the head injury assessment protocol. To fully comply with the head injury assessment protocol and be um, having access to all of those components, which now includes the mouth guard, a player obviously needs to be wearing a mouth guard to have access to that part. Uh, but ultimately, they are not mandatory for the game. A player can opt out if they don't want to wear one, if they decide they want to take that risk. Um, and yeah, they don't have to because ultimately it is their choice. Um, and that speaks down to our education of educating them as to why we feel it would be in their benefit to wear one. But ultimately it is their choice. I understand. So these are these are here to stay. Um, you've spoken about what needs to be ironed out. Um, I mean, ultimately in the sort of short to midterm, is the plan to roll these out at all levels of the game, kids included potentially? Yes, um, that's absolutely our plan. And that's actually really where we see the benefit of these mouth guards um, is in the levels of the game where there isn't as much resource as there is available in the elite game. I mean, you think of an elite team, they have doctors, they have physiotherapists, they have video review. And there's a lot of eyes looking after these players that's not afforded at the community level game. At the moment, these mouth guards are obviously quite expensive. Mm. um, But we know that technology always gets cheaper over time. And so the more we roll out these mouth guards, the more they evolve, the cheaper they will become. And so ultimately, we see that then rolling into the community game um, and being available to those players. Probably worth just also stating that actually our research on these mouth guards started in the community game, and we are still doing a lot of work in the community game. And so our intention is until these mouth guards do become more accessible to that level of the game, we will provide information and useful information that's gathered from these mouth guards to the game so they that can implement that before having access to the mouth guards. Really interesting stuff. Uh, Lindsay Starling, thanks so much for coming on nights and chatting to us this evening. Appreciate it. Brilliant. Thank you so much. It was great to chat.
That was Lindsay Starling. Lindsay is the Science and Medical Manager for World Rugby. She was joining us there from the United Kingdom. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.